take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. We uh, I've been accused of it all my life of being that child to ask the question why. And uh, it really does make for an interesting study when you open the Word of God and you're asking, why does God say it like that? Why is that written that way? Um, and that's, that's kind of, I think, where some of my hunger, hunger for the Word comes from. We'll be stepping into our Christmas, Christmas study. Uh, but I think it's going to be a little bit, little bit different. Luke chapter 1, let me pray and we'll just, we'll just get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you um, just so much for this time of year. Lord, we thank you for these Sundays that we've set aside just to, to put things in perspective. Lord, it, it, everything in Scripture pointed towards your Son. Lord, everything from the beginning of, of creation pointed towards your redemptive plan. Lord, that we see fulfilled in our eternity um, in your presence. But Lord, we know certain things had to take place. Lord, we read through Scripture, all through Scripture, we, we read and see your grace to people who didn't have the, the big picture. But Lord, we see you, we see how you open their eyes, and I pray that this morning that would be the case. Lord, we would take these truths that we've read year after year, decade after decade, and you would just help us to, to just... See, see a little bit more of your person and what you're saying. I just pray that you would guide us in this study. I just pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 1, I was to ask you where we left off last year. Would we be able to remember? Well, probably not. I, I, uh, I had a hard time remembering myself, but we did... We did just end up um, just at the last part where Zacharias's tongue is loosed, right? And, and I remember enjoying, enjoying that study. But just some thoughts just before we read, and, and it's more of a, a kind of a reminder. But thoughts as we read, uh, just as you're reading and you're processing, and I keep going over this with the young ones, whenever you see a punctuation, what are we supposed to do? Take a breath. Right? Every time you see a, see a punctuation, you take a breath because it's capturing a thought. Right? It's having you pause right? and, and leading it in there. It's very important because this has really been opening my eyes to how to read Scripture. It's capturing the thoughts of the text. Uh, the second thing there that I thought as I stepped in and we'll be looking at Zacharias's hymn or, or, or Benedictus, as some of the commentaries were using, um, just the result and, and praising God and His acts, uh, we have to remember that Luke wrote this, right? Uh, the, 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 the faithful follower of Paul. And as Luke recorded this, and, and, and this is written, this is poetry, okay? This hymn is poetry. Um, it's a praise. But Luke wrote this 60 years after it happened, Right? It's 60 years after this happened. And so that means that it is written on account of someone who had committed this hymn of praise to either memory or committed it to paper. 
Right? So it just kind of opens your eyes to, okay, this wasn't just a recording as this man was singing it. This was a, something that had been recorded or committed to memory, and Luke was writing it 60 years later. Had me pause and think. You know, how will people remember us, our testimony, the things that, that we say 60 years from now? Right? How are people going to remember how God worked in your life? to your generations that are following you. There's a a real specific, um, neat lesson in this. This was was recorded for the generations. Uh, Your testimony is one of the most important things, is it not? Your testimony of what God's doing in your life and generations coming in behind uh, need to know that. Uh, Third thought, just before we step into this, was unless Zacharias was extremely talented... And as he praised and, 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 and whatnot, uh, which I, I'm sure God could have done that, but I don't imagine it come out as poetry as he just began seeing what God was showing him. Right? The thoughts, the revelation that God had given him was, was thought and processed. Right? It, it was put to words so that generations behind him would remember what God had done, what God had showed him, and it really does take on a, a deeper meaning than just, just um, he saw and he sang. Right? God does that. And I think the one big point, um, and you'll hear it repeated a couple times this morning, is God opens our eyes to what lies ahead by reminding us of what he's already said. All right? Let's just uh, step into this. Verse, verse 67, and then we'll do a little bit of context, and we'll read through Zacharias's hymn. I'll try and breathe at the punctuation. Uh, I'm not very good at reading poetry, so you'll have to bear with me. Uh, but this, again, it was, was captured, so generations and, and even us today can read, read this. Verse 67 says, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Why is he blessed? Why is he worshiping? For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to Father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. Verse 76, And you... Child, he's talking to his son John now. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. 
you sit down and you write that on a piece of paper and you start collecting those thoughts as it's recorded. And there is a lot of deep, powerful truths in this song that Zacharias is just lifting up in praise. It almost had me wanting to read that first stanza. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel in a response to what He is beginning to understand. Because isn't that it? When God opens our eyes spiritually to what He has said in His Word, our response is to say, Blessed are you, God. You know, God, there, there you are. How did I miss this? I, and I can only see this man saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. So let's step in here and uh, we'll begin. Context. All right, context here. If we were just to flip back through chapter 1, we have the angel Gabriel has appeared to Zacharias. We remember this Christmas story. What does Zacharias do? He doubts, and then God mutes him. Right? Uh, that's, and I, I can't help but think as I was reading through that, I'm glad that's not God's standard. Right? If, if, if every time you doubted, God would silence you. <laughs> right? I'm glad that's not His standard. Because really, when we think about that a little bit further, we'd have a lot of quiet people in our churches, wouldn't we? Right? Every time a doubt come up, if you, if you were silenced, if God would silence you, we'd have a lot of quiet people in our churches. Evangelical Christianity, uh, churches as a whole, would not have a voice if there was doubt. Maybe, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that's what's happening today. We have the angel has appeared to, to Mary in, in the, the next part of Luke chapter 1, explain what is going to happen. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. All right, I just wrote my Bible. There's the Trinity again. Right? God the Father's plan. Holy Spirit's going to come upon and the Son will be born. Right? It's, it's the foundations of, of what we believe. We carry on with that. Mary becomes pregnant. I, I wrote that down and then I had to go back and say the Virgin Mary because people are even questioning and challenging that today. The Virgin Mary conceives by the Holy Spirit visits Elizabeth. Right? And then she writes that beautiful uh, Magnificat uh, song that we see in verses 46 to 55. She praises God. And, and if we were to read it, it's important to, to, to grasp that she's praising God for God. Right? There's only one short little part there where she says, um, generations will call me blessed. That's the only mention in this song about anything other than praising God for who He is. And I thought even in the quietness of my office this week, Really, that point that's being made from that is it's always about Him. Right? Is it not? It's always about God. It's always supposed to be about God. And that, that goes for, for, for the, our thoughts, for the desires of our hearts, for the things that contend for our time, for, for the things that, that are, make up our day, make up our week, make up our month. It's always supposed to be about Him. Mary understood that, right? And we understand it. We quickly forget that. But you read that, and there is very little about me. I think of uh, that conversation, and again, eventually it'll go away, but Neil and I had about sacrilege, right? Sacrilege 
is, is not giving God first. Right? God, God desires first. God must have first. Right? And sacrilege is, is giving him the second best. And we don't see that in, in Mary's, Mary's song here. We see John the Baptist born. Even John's name means grace. Right? And, and you pick up on that. Grace, grace, he's a proclaimer of grace. Jesus the Messiah is coming. The Lamb, the Lamb is coming. We see Zacharias' tongue loosed in verse 64. Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue loosed. And what does he do? He spoke and praised God. And I, I didn't go back in my notes, but I, I, I think as I was reading this and remembering, we left it last year and that people were going through the hills and the surrounding towns and cities marveling talking amongst themselves. There was an element of fear in amidst this. was discussing what kind of child is this. Right? And, and we see that being proclaimed around. So that's where we'll, we'll step in. Now we're up to, to verse 67. And as these people are, are discussing and marveling and talking about what kind of child this is, I couldn't help but thinking that they probably weren't the only ones. There were a lot of, of new uh, not not easy to understand things going on at this time. I think of Zacharias as a new father holding this eight-year-old child right there and in all the events that just gone on looking at the world that John is born into and the circumstances that surrounded John the Baptist's conception and birth. Turn back to verse 15 of chapter 1. Zacharias knew what kind of child this was to be. Knew why this child was born. He knew this child's future. Maybe not in detail, but he knew why he had come. Read with me. Uh, verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the pardon me, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As the people in the cities and towns around them are going, what kind of child is this going to be? I can only picture Zacharias going. What is this going to look like? Right? What kind of child is this going to be? He had a portion, portion of that. Can't imagine the father, and maybe this was spending too much time thinking, but he knew what that was going to look like. But he had questions about this child's ministry. He had questions about this child's ministry for Christ, the kingdom, and what the Holy Spirit would do through this child. And I can't help but think there that, that part of this um, father's heart cry was the same as the grandparents and what parents used to pray for the children as they, they were born, praying that God would use them, praying that, that they would find their place in Christ's kingdom, praying that they would be used in ministry, right? Those used to be the, the heart cries of, and I know my grandparents prayed it all, all the time and they shared that with me. 
I, I picture that with, with Zacharias, uh, knowing that this child was born to be filled with the Spirit and to be used in Christ's kingdom. It's a powerful thing to consider. It's a powerful reminder for us as we, we pray for our children and, and pray for our grandchildren. We need to pray that they find themselves their place in the kingdom, find themselves surrendered to the Spirit. Luke, looking at this, looking at this hymn, Luke is writing this 60 years later. Luke is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right? For those that have been looking at Ephesians, we understand that this dispensation has changed. Right? The dispensation has changed because we know in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit would come upon the Old Testament believer, the, the righteous, those following God, and the Holy Spirit would come upon them and, and to carry out God's will. I mean, that goes for, for Noah, Samson, David. It, you, you carry on, but then the Holy Spirit would depart. Right? That's the, the dispensation. That's how God functions with the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, we know that when you place your faith in Christ, right, we, we give our life to Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates us. Right? Titus 3.5 tells us that. He indwells us. He spiritually baptizes us into the body of Christ, into Christ, and then we're sealed. So it's interesting enough to think there as, as Luke is writing this down and he says in verse 67 here that Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke is, is emphasizing the spiritual relationship here. Right? And, and, and it's, it's something to be, be noticed. Luke was a student of Paul and understood why this needed to be emphasized. Emphasize, Luke emphasizes the ministry of the Spirit in preparation of the King's coming. It was God, the Holy Spirit, working through Zacharias. Even in John's ministry, John the Baptist's ministry, it's important for us to, to, to get it in our minds that it wasn't John, it was the Holy Spirit through John that was preparing the way for the coming King. So the Father has questions. Uh, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. The father has questions, and what does God do? God begins connecting things for this man. As we read through this hymn, these truths, this man already knew. Right? And I'm going to encourage you to, to read this um, through the week that's coming as well. But really, as you, you read through this, and, and let's just look real quickly at the word prophesied. What is the first thing that you think of when you think of prophesied? The, the very, very first thing, and I know for me there when it says the Holy Spirit uh, come upon him and, and filled him and, and he prophesied, I always think about seeing future events. And I, always, I always think about seeing off into the millennial kingdom. I think of Daniel. But that word prophesied, it means foretelling, right? It means uh, divine uh, inspiration. It, it means to, to speak divinely for God. But it makes us pause and think of, of all these Old Testament prophets. They always had Scripture already. They always had Scripture behind them that emphasized or pointed or agreed with what God was laying before them. 
Right? So as I read there this, this hymn, I began to look through it, and, and as a student here, I began thinking to myself, you know what? As you read verse 68 and 69, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up the horn of salvation in the house of the servant David. I thought to myself, Zacharias already knew that. Zacharias already knew that the, that the Messiah, the king, was going to come through David's line. So as God was laying on Zacharias' heart about what was going to come, and I'm not exactly entirely sure what he, he was seeing, it was being affirmed by what he already knew. Kind of had me thinking there for a second. God was helping him read his Bible. Right? God was helping him sort through the Old Testament Scriptures. At this time, there was the Septuagint to understand and see what was coming. And really, we understand today that God sends His Holy Spirit. Right? The only way that we can read our Bibles, God sends His Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. We understand in order to, to, to grasp, in order to be spiritually illuminated into what God says in 1 Corinthians 2, says it's the deep things of God. It's the Spirit that does it for us. And that's been from the beginning of time. So here we have an Old Testament priest, and we went through that last year. Um, it was his turn to serve, right? And, and here we have the Old Testament priest, the Spirit coming upon him, opening his eyes, to what he, he remembers and what he's read his entire life in the Old Testament, and it's allowing him to see what is coming. It's allowing him to see and connect and be sure that, that this is God's promise. The Spirit comes upon him and fills him the same way the Spirit fills us today as New Testament believers. I don't know, that's, that's, that's exciting for me. And I, I pray that you've been there before where, where you've read your Bible, you've read these passages all your life and then all of a sudden these verses or a passage or a text or a, or a parable falls into place and you go, oh, that makes sense now. That, that connects now. I, I, you know, I, I've, I've always read that in Genesis, but now I'm reading that in the book of John and, and in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I see that now. I can't help but thinking about how excited this man was when he's looking ahead at what God is showing him and connecting that with what he'd already been given. God has always... Yeah, pardon me. God opens our eyes to what lies ahead by reminding us of what He's already said. Right? For me there, it was kind of humbling myself and thinking, okay, the prophesying is not always seeing way out there into nothing and seeing new. God is giving him a clarity and affirming what he already knows from Scripture. The Spirit opens the spiritual eyes of this priest to show him uh, what God has been planning from the very beginning. The same way our fingers turn back through the pages of Scripture to see what God has done what God is doing and what God is going to do. It's us, it's us understanding and having our eyes open. Our faith depends on God's Word. Right? Does it not? 
Our faith depends on this. And again, this man, this man, the Spirit is not coming upon him and he's just creating something out of nothing. He's connecting what he already knows from Scripture and, and it's, it's, cre- it's placing before him God's plan of salvation. And it's through the Word that, that, that our faith is built. It's through the Word that our faith is anchored. The Word of God is our compass. The Word of God is a light for our path. But without the Holy Spirit, it's not made alive. Without the Spirit showing us, we, we don't comprehend what it's saying. And, and that's, that's, we, we keep going over that and over and over again. The Word was possibly and perhaps just words until the Spirit connected, connected these truths for this man. And it's no wonder he's in that place saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. I wrote down a, a small application for that. Because the Bible can get to the place where it seems as though it's just words, can't it? Where you're just reading it. And I think of this man as an Old Testament priest. I mean, it, it's... I think I read somewhere that, that by the age of like seven... A Hebrew child had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Memorized. This man knew the Scriptures better than I ever will. But sometimes the, the, the Word of God can become just words. And I just wrote this down. Hard time reading the Bible? It's probably because you're trying it in your own strength. You're trying it in your own power. If you find it difficult, if you find it um, a stretch, if you find no desire to it, it's probably because you're reading it in your own strength. Possibly like Zacharias was. But when the Spirit come upon him, the truth of this book gave him something to say. When the Spirit came upon him, he had something to sing about. He connected these things. So just real quickly there, and, and I'll, try and, I'll try and encompass this. Verse 68 where he says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. It was an exclamation. It was an introduction there because he was beginning to understand. He was getting it. All these things that God shows him in this song, it it connects almost as though it's the first time and I've been there. It's like when the computer finally does what I want it to do. right? It connects. It connects. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. This is an excited expression of adoration. I mean, this wasn't done in a, in a very somber tone. This man was excited. This man was connecting. For he has visited and redeemed his people. This was a marvel for him. We know what Jewish history. We know what's going on in that time. God's people were still scattered from Judah to Babylon. From Judah to Babylon and beyond. The idea of God redeeming, and that word means to gather together, that idea was just almost impossible for this man to understand unless it was part of God's plan from the beginning. Which makes sense. When you start seeing God's plan and it connecting there, it makes sense that he he says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. He goes on there the next parts. And he says there, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David through this revelation. I can't help but think that there's some disbelief. I mean, God actually is going to do it. When you think of the line of David, 
the turmoil, the treachery, the captivity, the murder, everything that, that kept attacking David's family, even up to Herod trying to kill all the, the, the babies in Bethlehem, all, the, all the, the attacking and all the turmoil. It must have seemed like it was impossible that it was going to happen unless it was part of God's plan from the beginning. Zacharias, his eyes are opened to scriptures. He's, he's read all his life, and, and we'll just park and, and end here. Second Samuel chapter 7. I just want us to see the covenants that are connected for this man. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He, he, he's foretelling, he, he, he's seeing the events that are laying ahead. But he's reiterating what he already knows, what he already reads. Second Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 8, says, Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. Right? This is God's promise in 1000 B.C. And that's just roughly... Right, thousand years before Christ, God made a promise. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, David, and cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. This is, this is a, an eternal covenant that we know God made back then. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in the place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of the wicked oppress them anymore. And previously, this is what God's chosen Israel, the Israelite, was looking forward to. This was God's promise. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that He will make you a house. Verse 16, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine what it must have been like for Zacharias to all of a sudden when the Spirit comes upon him and seeing what God is laying ahead, Seeing, seeing that plan that's coming and connecting this passage of Scripture which he knew all too well with the fact that Jesus, the King, was here. The King, king was, 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 was coming. John was going to prepare the way. And when we realize that, we read this a little bit differently. Zacharias is saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed his people. He sees that picture that God promised David a thousand years before that his people are, are gathered and has raised up the horn of salvation for us. Whatever he's seeing, whatever God's showing him, there is the completion of what he promised a thousand years before. Right? It, 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 it's, here it is. He's gathered his people and there's a horn of strength raised up. Really, I couldn't can't believe it. It, it. The next thing to impossible. If that wasn't impossible, it comes from the house of his servant David, just as he promised. 
God spiritually opens our eyes to what lies ahead by reminding us of what he's already said. And I think we'll just end there. Um, But it's so important for us to not think of Zacharias writing this song, getting this um, revelation from God, prophesying, and creating something new. No, 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 no. Don't don't disjoint that. Don't, don't, Don't make it its own story. That story began back in Samuel chapter 7. Wait, hold on. No, no, it began before then. That began Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Right? And it's all pointing, pointing through. God opens our eyes to what lies ahead by reminding us of what He's already said. Next week we'll look just briefly at the Abrahamic covenant that you see next in this. The last part of this song, it talks about the Gentiles all right, being grafted in. It's talking about the church. All new for this man, but God has spoken of it in the Old Testament connecting. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank You for this time again. Lord, uh, stepping into this text, stepping into the, just the understanding what's taking place, understanding the changing of dispensations, Lord, um, sometimes... Well, it might be a little hard to to grasp. I know it's for me, Lord. I've spent a lot of time thinking through. But once we understand this, Lord, we see the connecting factors. Lord, we see what you've said all through the course of time. Lord, and it's supposed to remind us that we can trust. We can trust what you say is coming. Lord, it's a comfort. It's a hope. And I pray that you would reward our studies. Let's pray these things in your precious name. Amen.